Well, you certainly know how to compliment a woman. Well, if you'll excuse me. Do you know who I am? No, I, I can't say that I do. I don't know how to put this, but I'm kind of a big deal. Really? People know me. Well, I'm very happy for you. is Friday Game Changers, taking your business to the next level. Coming up on Kizzy's Friday Game Changers. I know no one in the world who had always ever only good luck or only bad, uh, bad luck. There, there is uh, uh, no one. And it's not so much about external circumstances, but it's about your attitude. And also, if everything you try works, then you are not trying hard enough. All of this plus a great book of the week recommendation from Zach Strauss, founder and CEO of Grey Matter, an elevator pitch from Laura Mimun, co-founder of Kaleido Salad Rolls, and excellent music from Roger Rosa of the Eisen Agency. Every Friday should be a game-changing Friday. Stay tuned. Hi, this is Ray Zen. Hi, I'm Jamie Martin from Ideal Shopping Direct. I'm Kate Bell, founder of Zip Us In. Hi, my name is Eirik Eide-Patterson. I'm a co-founder of Seaborg Technologies. Hi, I'm Katie Farrell, transformation coach, founder of The Catalyst for Life. Hey, everybody, I'm David Frangioni, CEO and co-founder of All Access IDA, Inspire and Develop Artists, and you're listening to Kizzy's Friday Game Changer. Check it out. Hello, I'm Millie Vincent and I'm going to be telling you a few tips about business. In business, it is vital to enjoy what you are doing. Take any setbacks positively, get up and move on. As an entrepreneur spouse will tell you, you spend a lot of time working both in and on your new business. So it must be something you're enthusiastic about. But you can't expect to become a millionaire overnight. Time and energy is your investment. Entrepreneurs often fail because they believe they have that one great idea that will change the world and make their fortune instantly. When that doesn't happen, they give up and move on to their next idea. Thank you for listening. Welcome to Kizzy's Friday Game Changers with your host, Kizzy Nkwacha. A show for innovators and motivators, people just like you. Kizzy is the publisher of Business Game Changer magazine and the property investor, editor of the successful Women in Business book series and the best-selling Every Entrepreneur's Guide series. Every week, Kizzy and his guests provide you with the tools you need to take your game-changing business to the next level. Listen, learn, and innovate. Now meet your host, your mentor, and your fellow game-changer, Kizzy Nkwacha. Hello and welcome to Kizzy's Friday Game Changers. This week I'm joined by Dr. Rainer Zietelman. Dr. Zietelman is a historian and sociologist. He's also a world-renowned author with no less than 21 books to his name. 
and he's an incredibly successful businessman and real estate investor. In just a few minutes, I'll be talking to Dr. Zilterman and exploring how you can start and grow a successful business. And also, we'll be looking at how you can navigate your way through the unpredictable waters of the pandemic. It's Friday. I'm Kizzy, and this is Kizzy's Friday Game Changers. Listen, learn, and innovate. I am Andrew Komenos, sales and performance strategist, and this is Kizzy's Friday Game Changers, the world's number one podcast experience. Hello and welcome to the show. This week's guest, Dr. Reina Zitelman, is a historian, a sociologist, uh, a successful businessman and real estate investor. Reina is also a widely acclaimed author of 21 books, one of which is the incredible Dare to be Different and Grow Rich, Secrets of Self-Made People Who Became Rich and Successful. Reina, it's fantastic to have you join me. Thank you. Uh, Reina, you... You have done absolutely everything that anybody could ever want to do in the world of media and being an entrepreneur. You also ran your a PR agency for, what, 16 years as well? Yes, for f- exactly for 15 years. I founded it in 2000 and I sold it 2015. And you, uh, for, you were concentrating mainly on uh, real estate in Germany? Yes, we were the number one leading PR agency and exactly uh, we were focused on the real estate industry. So our clients were, um, for example, real estate uh, funds, uh, open-end funds, closed-end funds or project uh, developer uh, housing companies uh, and uh, Every everything that has to do with anything with uh, with uh, real estate. Wow, that's, that's fantastic! And then, of course, you uh, you're, you're also known as uh, an entrepreneur, um, as a great author. Um, like I said before, you seem to have done so much in such a short time. One of the things that I, I remember thinking about when I began preparing for this interview was the book that um, you've created, because you seem to have spoken to hundreds and hundreds of successful business people. And I, I was wondering if I could just ask you, Raina, what are the common traits successful business people share? First of all, not all successful people and not all rich people are the same as well as not all poor people are the same. This is right on the one hand. On the other hand, you find some common patterns. And, uh, you know, I wrote my second uh, doctoral dissertation because I have two doctor degrees and my second one was about the psychology of super rich uh, people and I interviewed uh, people most of them had a net worth between 30 million and 1 billion uh, euros some were even richer uh, billionaires and they were different but they had some things in common and one thing I think they enjoyed swimming against the stream they were non-conformists. And I think it's logical. If you do the same as everyone else, you will not be successful and uh, not become uh, super rich. And maybe I can tell you a funny story uh, from one of them. Uh, His name is uh, Theo Müller. Uh, By the way, he's a friend of mine. He has a net worth between four and five billion euro. And he became uh, wealthy with milk and with uh, uh, yogurt. And so uh, you can imagine his favorite animals are cows. And uh, he tells me always a funny story. There's a path and 100 cows walk along this path. On the left side, there's a green 
lush field, a very green lush field. And on the other, uh, on the right hand, there's another field only with some cramps of uh, uh, grass that is not as near as lush as the field on the uh, left side. And 99 out of this 100 cows go to the left side. And what happens? The grass is eaten very quickly and only one cow goes to the right side. And he says, I'm the cow who go that goes to the right side. And this cow eats and eats and eats while the other cows that were all on the left side have nothing more to eat. It's only a, a, a picture uh, for something. But I think it's important to be, to be non-conformist or can, can, tell, can, can tell you another s a story maybe about this. Um, maybe you know Jim Rogers. Jim Rogers, is, he became very wealthy in his youth because he managed... Um, a fund, a hedge fund, together with uh, George Soros. And um, he he earned a lot of money when he was uh, young with uh, contrarian investment. So he uh, he had, he's someone who has a lot of fun to swim against the stream, but it was not easy for him in the beginning. Uh, he bought shares from companies that were in trouble. For example, at this time, uh, lock, locket uh, shares uh, from, you know, from this uh, um, air, aircrafts and they were in trouble. And uh, you could every day read in the newspaper and the media uh, about pr the problems of the company. And then he told me this story. One evening, he had a fancy dinner. It was in York. And at the table, uh, there were a lot of uh, uh, bankers and uh, investors, and he was the youngest. And one of them said to the others so, so loud that everyone couldn't hear, how can someone be so crazy to buy locket shares? And they laughed all, all of them, and they laughed about him. And it was not funny. He felt terrible at this time. But later on, he earned so much money with his investment. And he told me, so what, what I learned when people laugh at you, it's great. And the louder they laugh, the better it is for you. This was the lesson that, that I learned. <laughs> That's such an important lesson, isn't it? Because um, I remember saying to somebody a few weeks ago, the 10 most um, debilitating, the 10, 10 words that will rob you of your power are, what will other people say? And what will other people think? Because a lot of people will only do what they think other people want them to do. They don't have the confidence to 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 go against the stream. Absolutely, this is uh, absolutely right. And uh, every one of the people I interviewed for my dissertation uh, conducted um, psychological tests, the so-called Big Five test. And this what uh, what were they agreed all about? What you said that they said I want to go always my own way. And I can you tell you another example? He's the owner of the um, biggest hotel in Germany. It's a hotel with 1,200 uh, rooms, and it's not only the biggest hotel, it's the most profitable uh, hotels in Germany. But um, when he uh, when he st uh, started to build this hotel, it is in, based in Berlin, and it's in the worst district of Berlin, in the absolute worst district, and everyone called him a fool. How can be 
he is so crazy to build a hotel there. And he told you one, one evening he was there and he, he saw the construction. And, uh, for one moment he thought, maybe they are, maybe they are right. Maybe, maybe I'm, a, I'm really a fool. But in the end, it became the most successful, uh, uh, uh hotel. And you are absolutely right. If you do always only the things that everyone does, I think it's logical that you can't be successful. On the other hand, it doesn't mean this would be too easy if you do always only you know the contrary of this what everyone does this uh, this is uh, uh, as well no no way to become successful but it is as well my own experience maybe i can tell you a little bit how how i uh, became rich it was in a similar way i invested in the real estate market in uh, germany especially in berlin and uh, for example in 2004 I bought a multifamily house and it was in, in the a very bad location in Berlin. And I tried to get a, a debt from, from Deutsche Bank and they refused it. They told me, no, sorry, uh, this is a, uh, we can't, cannot support you. This is a, absolutely no good idea to, to make there uh, an investment. Uh, but I found another bank and I could, buy it very cheap for only 1.2 million euro and I bought it without any equity. It was all that, but I had a, a high amortization, uh, 6% in the first year. And after 10 years, there was only outstanding loan of 200,000 euro. But in the meantime, the market had has changed and everyone wanted to invest in Berlin and everyone wanted to invest, especially in this location. And I could sell the same property for 4.2 million. So only with this single deal, for example, I made 4 million and I could make some of these deals. For example, another one, only uh, last example, uh, this was also a multifamily house and I bought it uh, half year after after Lehman crisis, you know, in, I bought it in 2009 and there were, everyone was depressed at this time in a very negative mood at this time. And so I could buy it as well uh, cheap. It was for only 1.8 million. And then 10 years later, I, I sold it for 7.5 million. But this was at the time when everyone told me, now you should invest there in Berlin. And the Experts told me uh, when I bought it, no, it's a bad idea. And what do you think about it? So it doesn't mean that you will be automatically successful if you do the contrary of this, what everyone does. But what I want to say, if there's something kind of fashion when everyone tells you, you should do this and you should do that. For example, everyone tells you, you, sh you, sh you should buy bitcoins now or something like this, then be be skeptical. So a red flag should be there for, for, for you. But if there's another investment where no one is talking about, or even people tell you it's a bad idea, it doesn't mean automatically it's a good idea, but it's more likely that it is a good idea uh, than with this other investment where everyone told you that you uh, have to do it. So how much of success is uh, down to good luck? And how much of success is the result of individual effort? That's also a great question I discuss very often with people. Sure, um, no one can deny that uh, that luck, good or 
bat-like uh, uh, plays a role in your life. But the question is how big the role is that it plays uh, in your life. And I think uh, it's not so about happy coincidence, but it is two things are much more important. First, do you recognize that there is a lucky coincidence? A lot of people, uh, maybe they meet happy coincidences, but they don't realize that there is one. This is the first thing. Do you realize that there's a happy coincidence? And the other thing is, if you realize this, do you act? Do you act immediately? Because there are a lot of people, maybe they see there is a, 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 a good opportunity and so, but then they start, oh, maybe we should analyze it. Maybe later on, we should think about whether we can do it or not. And this is the difference between uh, successful people and people that are not so successful. That successful people, they start immediately, even if they don't feel uh, uh perfectly uh, pre prepared for this uh, situation. And and to add something, I know no one in the world who had always ever only good luck or only bad, uh, bad luck. There, there is uh, uh, no one. And it's not so much about external circumstances, but it's about your attitude. And I can give you a very good example. Someone I, it's a, by the way, he's British and I, I admire him very much. I, I, I never met him, but I read all biographies about him. It's Stephen Hawking. And, uh, Stephen Hawking said one time, and you know, he, uh, he suffered from a rare, rare disease and, uh, uh, doctors uh, predicted that he, uh, would, would live for only a, a few years when he was, uh, young. And later on in his uh, autobiography, he he wrote, uh, I believe that disabled people should concentrate on things that their handicap doesn't prevent them from doing and not regret those they can't do. In my case, I've managed to do most things I wanted. And this is true. If you if you remember what this guy did, he wrote bestseller books in 40, 40 different languages they were trans, uh, translated. And he was married two times. He met uh, uh, all important uh, politi politicians uh, in, the, in the world. And even he had a space uh, uh, flight in his wheelchair and, and all this stuff. And, uh, uh, you know, uh, he uh, first, uh, he, he, he couldn't... Uh, Move. He had to sit in the wheelchair, but later on he couldn't speak. But uh, then he communicated uh, with his uh, special uh, software with uh, with other people. And and so you think if one could say I have uh, bad bad luck to to become so ill very early in my life and and very negative external circumstances, then it could be him. But if he was successful with all this, how successful can be can other people who don't have uh, this uh, all, all these problems that he had to challenge. So I I don't believe in uh, I don't believe in luck. And uh, maybe I can tell you another example. I I I have a lot of uh, um, uh, lectures and presentations in uh, in uh, United States or in, in in Asia a lot of. And sometimes uh, in at the end of my lecture I show people some of my books and I ask. Who, who, who likes to get this book? 
And first, people don't realize that they can get it for free. But then there are some people who realize this and they start to run to get, to get some of my books. And now, what is important at this moment? Usually, if it is, it, if it is, would be only about external circumstances, only the people who sit in the first row should have a chance to get a book. But this is not the case. In a lot of cases, people come from the middle or even from the last row and they get the book. Why? Because it's not about external circumstances. It's about they realized first, okay, there is an opportunity and then they acted and they acted faster as other people. And so I absolutely, I, I, I don't believe in this, uh, in this story about good and bad luck. To be honest, For me, it's a story for loser because the loser, if he want to, if, if he has to explain why he's not as successful as other people, he can uh, only shrug his shoulders and say, okay, this guy had good luck. I had bad luck. So uh, what it is about? Maybe it's uh, a psychological way uh, easier for him to, to deal with this. But I think it's uh, more honest if you think about, if you look to successful people and you think, why are so? Why are they successful? Even lottery winners who are successful people or heirs, in a lot of cases, some years after they won in the lottery, they, they lost everything. And on the other hand, you have entrepreneurs or businessmen who lost everything, but they have the, uh, the, uh, a, a better uh, mindset. And some years later, they get rich again. So I, I, uh, to, to sum up, I don't believe in luck. I completely agree with you that mindset does play a really, really important role um, when it comes to determining success or failure. But the one question that came to mind um, is that successful people aren't always successful. In fact, successful people fail more than the average person does, but they still seem to manage to pick themselves up. Raina, how should we handle failure when it comes knocking at our door? Oh, you have so many great, uh, so, so many great questions. <laughs> That's all my favorite questions. First of all, uh, maybe it sounds a little bit strange, but someone who tells me that he's always successful, for me, this man is a real loser. And I can tell you why. I give you a quote from Gordon Moore. He was the founder of uh, Intel, you know, this uh, uh, company Intel. And this quote is, if everything you try works, then you are not trying hard enough. So, <laughs> sure, you are absolutely right. Uh, sometimes you will not succeed. And um, because if you... If you are always successful, it does. It means always only that you uh, that you don't never reach out for goals that are high enough. Uh, to to add another quote from Michelangelo, this uh, this is my absolute favorite quote. He says, "The greater danger for most of us lies not in setting our aim too high and falling short, but in setting our aim too low." and achieving our mark. And so if you uh, reach out for uh, higher goals, then sure, sometimes you will have setbacks and crises. But now there's the difference. For most of the people, it's this way. If they are not successful, if they fail, they blame other people. They blame 
external circumstances. They blame maybe capitalism. They blame the society. They blame maybe their parents' education. They blame other people. But with the successful people, uh, they think very different. If they fail, they, they, they take not only the responsibility for success, but as well for their failure. And, uh, uh, And if you if you're looking in yourself at the you know uh, for example someone told me even if the market goes in a wrong direction then it's not the market but it was my task to judge the market and and then I was the person who misjudged the market so never blame external circumstances never blame other people uh, take the responsibility not only for your Uh, success, but as well for your failure, and I think this is the the attitude uh, that uh, um, uh, all uh, successful people have in common. So, really, um, all of us are self-made, but only the successful people will admit it. Yes, yes, exactly. I'm fascinated by this subject, and I can tell that you are too, Rain. And I'm and I'm wondering why are you so so interested in success and what makes the difference between success and failure why does it appeal so much to you you know i'm a i'm a scientist um on the one hand and uh i was only i'm i'm someone very curious and i always wanted to find out uh why some people are different as other people why some people have success and and others fail and uh For example, the last book that I wrote, it's uh, uh, I, I um, it's it will be published in Germany um, next um, month and hopefully later in English. It's about the art of becoming famous, and this was as well a question for me: How do people become famous? Is it only per chance, or how? So, and I uh, had this research about rich people, and I was. Uh, I was always curious about it to 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 find out. I think this is in the nature of a scholar or a scientist that he's curious. And on the other hand, I've been as well successful in in different uh, fields uh, as a, a, a scholar and later as entrepreneur and investor. So I knew uh, how to be successful, and I want to give this. Uh, experience not only from me but from other people that are very successful to younger people especially i get a lot of emails from young people and i love it so much to have my lectures in in so many uh, countries and to speak to young people and uh, and to 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 give them something from my information and what happened to me in china last year after lecture there came a 10 year old uh, a 10 year old boy in china and he was at school and then he asked me uh, in, in good english he spoke good english by the way and he asked me can i ask you one question i'm at school now but i want to start my own business and my question is when should i start it with 10 10 year old this is by the way something that i like very much with asian people this asian people they are so uh, very ambitious They, uh, everyone looks how 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 ca he can be successful in life. I saw it in Korea when I spoke with the people there, and even you see it if you are in the United States. I don't know whether you knew it uh, that, for example, Asian Americans they earn forty percent more than 
white Americans, and you know there's an income pyramid with uh, uh, black people at the lowest level, then Latino uh, people, then white people, and then Asian people at the top in the United States. And if you look at these Ivy League universities, um, uh, sometimes there were thirty or forty percent of them were uh, uh, Asian uh, uh, Asian people, uh, but uh, their their share of the population is uh, less than. I think 5.8% uh, uh, only. And this is, uh, I, I think it has nothing to do with genes or something like this. It has something to do with your attitude, whether you are uh, ambitious and whether you want to go 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 forward in, in life. And and if I speak here in, in Europe, for example, about my topics, how to become successful, how to become rich, uh, there are a lot of... Uh, if I speak with journalists, skeptical people, is, isn't it a good idea to become rich or to become famous or I'm uh, uh, skeptical about it? If I was in China or in Korea, no one asked whether it's a good idea. The only question everyone looked for an answer is how to be successful, how to get rich, but not whether it makes sense or, or not. This is the difference between uh, uh, Asian people and in Europe. And another thing, and what I what I like very much with uh, uh, Asian people, they are very curious. They want to learn from all people everywhere in the world. When, when Deng Xiaoping started his reforms in the 80s, uh, he sent out... Uh, dozens of or, or hundreds of people from China to all other countries to look what works and what does not because they had this big, big failure of this socialist experiment and it was terrible and people were so poor in China at this time. And they wanted to learn from uh, other countries what they, what, what they are doing well and so. And for this reason, uh, they are as well interested in in my books, they translate every book, and it is much easier for me to find a great publisher in China or in Korea or in India, uh, where my books are as well successful, than to find in uh, uh, in United States. So uh, uh, you see, um, this this is fascinating for me. People people like uh, like them who who are so ambitious and uh, you know maybe we have only one life and you have to look what you can do with with your life don't 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 waste your life it's interesting that you say that because i know that a lot of um, asian uh, people believe that you have more than one life because they a lot of them believe in reincarnation but the question i was going to ask you is why why are asian people in general more interested in improving themselves, in success, in making things better. Why are they more interested in that subject matter? Is it something that they're born with or is it something that they acquire along the way? I think it's uh, it's education. I, I had a girlfriend. She Her parents were from uh, Vietnam and I saw the education was much uh, 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 different. For parents, it was uh, very important that their children will be uh, successful uh, in, in life. I think it's it's cultural. Maybe it has a little bit as well to do with uh, philosophy, with Confucius and all this uh, uh, philosophy. Maybe, but maybe there are other reasons. You know, um, it's it's always if um, it's it's like with with people, it is with uh, with nations. It is important to stay hungry, and it's easier to to stay hungry if you 
if you are at the start, at the beginning, uh, I think maybe we in, in Europe and maybe uh, in, in a way sometimes in the United States, people are not so hungry as they are in, in Asia because, uh, you know, they... Uh, they they lived in very bad circumstances uh, uh, only some decades ago, and so they are, they look, for example, from Korea uh, in the sixties. Uh, not only North Korea, what is poor today, but as well South Korea was as poor as the poorest uh, countries in in Africa uh, today. But then they started, they embraced uh, capitalism and more free market and as well education. These people in Korea, they invest so much in, uh, in education. And uh, today, it's, uh, we, we all use these uh, uh, products that they uh, produce in uh, Korea, for example. And, and maybe if they become uh, richer and more successful, maybe then something will change like it did in, in Europe that people are, uh, Look for 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 other things and are maybe not so so hungry for success as they are now. So I guess the message there is to uh, stay hungry and always keep moving forward. Um, I think we can all relate to that right now. But hold that thought. We're just going to take a quick break and come back to our conversation in a few minutes. I've got a note here to remind me that Business Game Changer magazine is producing a 2020 showcase of the outstanding UK-based women in business. The UK's Top 10 Women in Business Award recognizes the outstanding contribution made by individual UK-based businesswomen, and we know that there are thousands of you out there. This contribution is either to your business, uh, the local uh, community, or by inspiring and mentoring other entrepreneurs. For information about how to nominate yourself, a colleague, or a client for inclusion in the UK's Top 10 Women in Business, email businesseditor at email.com. That email address again is businesseditor at email.com. Good luck. Okay, this week's incredibly talented entrepreneur, this week's boss star is Roger Rosa, the owner and CEO of Cleveland-based marketing and public relations agency, the Ison Agency. Now, the Ison Agency provides marketing communications, uh, business development, and PR services to clientele across the US and throughout the globe. But when Roger's not making, molding, and mobilizing public opinion, he's writing and performing some amazing music. Here he is, Roger Rosa, singing Moonshine. Have a listen. Funny how the full moon shines, the beauty of the sound outside when I'm quiet. And I hear everywhere. Funny how that drop of water feels like the childhood laughter when everywhere is laughing Cigarette burns, my bottom dries I can't think I'd live in lies in you Call your friends and spread the word Tell them that Kids Friday Game Changers show Is the best you've ever heard
I'm Brian Stolle, founding partner of Wildcat Venture Partners. Hey, Tangeli here, all the way from Melbourne, Australia. I'm a leadership and mindset specialist for real estate and property professionals. Hi, I'm Jonathan from Amplify. Hi, I'm Johnny Combe, CEO of Pay by Phone UK. I'm Kenneth Hafiano, the founder of Jogwefa, an ethical fashion brand based in Ho, Volta Region, Ghana. My Friday is never the same without Kizzy's Friday Game Changes. Hi, this is Zach Strauss, the founder and CEO of Gray Matter, a B2B customer acquisition agency focused on serving small and mid-market businesses. And the business book that I'm recommending is Neuroselling by Jeff Bloomfield. Now, if you're like me, your business lives and dies by your customer conversations. And Jeff poses a very simple question. Shouldn't you have those customer conversations down to a science? Now, if you're tired of having to justify your price, offering discounts to close the deal, sick of long sales cycles, or customers who simply can't make a decision, then I highly recommend neuroselling. To us and to myself, it's the only customer conversation tool, and now I call it a tool, not even a book, that's grounded in neuroscience and behavioral psychology. 
And from a gray matter perspective, we've only changed two things in our sales process, and it's resulted in a doubling of revenue year over year for the last three years. The first one was simple. We changed how we build and distribute our proposals. But the second change that we made is we implemented what Jeff shares in his book. And now, as a past enterprise sales rep, I want to share that this is not a sales training or sales technique books. And I know those books, there's, there's thousands of them, and they can be very, very hard reads. This is a simple read. But if you want to get inside the mind of your prospect, the mind of your customer, and close more business this year, I cannot recommend neuroselling enough. This book is a game changer. Kizzy's Friday Game Changers, taking your business to the next level. Kizzy's Friday Game Changers, elevator pitch of the week. Please stand back from the closing doors. Please select a level. Going up. I'm Laura, co-founder of Kaleido Salad Rolls. We are on a mission to change the way you see healthy. Healthy is boring. But what if you could eat a salad anywhere, anytime, on the go? What if you could even dip your salad? At Kaleido, we created the first ever salad you eat like a sandwich. Think about a chicken Caesar salad wrapped in a rice paper which is transparent, gluten-free and very low in calories. You can find us in Selfridges, in Carnaby and soon in Canary Wharf and make lunchtime feel like playtime. Top floor, good luck! Welcome back. Before the break, you'll listen to Moonshine by Roger Rosa. And I'm in the studio talking to game-changing entrepreneur, Dr. Raina Zietelman. Now, Raina, we're at my favorite part of the show. This is a section we call past, present, and future. Now, don't panic. What it means is that I'm going to ask you three questions about your business past, your business present, and your future. And if we get the answers right, if we get this right will have a unique insight into the mind of game changer, Rainer Zittelman. Are you game? Okay. Rainer, you sound very, very worried now. Are you nervous? Yeah, I start. <laughs> Let's see. <laughs> okay, this is going to be great. And I know you're going to be wonderful at this. Listen, as you've got to imagine you can hear a clock ticking in the background. That's the sound of time passing by second after second. Now, imagine yourself traveling back in time to meet the young Rainer just starting out on his entrepreneurial journey. The young Rainer asks you for one piece of advice, one strategy that will help him grow his business. What would you tell him? I would uh, tell him, look always to hire the best people and pay them well. Okay, that's, that is pretty specific advice. Is that because in the past you had to learn this lesson the hard way or, or did, did you have a coach or a mentor, mentor telling you this? No, I had to learn it the hard way because I hired good people. But to be honest, I didn't pay them always well like I should have. And this was by experience. Then people will, will leave your uh, company. And so this was uh, one, one experience that uh, I had to learn the hard way. Just wondering, because when you're, when you're starting out in business, um, paying people what they're worth can be quite difficult. And a lot of business people tend to prefer to try to do everything themselves 
Is this something that you did as well when you started out? No, never. This I think this is my biggest strength. I uh, everything that could be done by anyone else should be done uh, by me. I think I'm the master in delegating things. And I think it is really important. I think it's the most important advice that I can give to to anyone. There are a lot of people who will tell you, oh, before I have explained this to him, I could have done it by myself. And uh, don't trap into this. Uh, 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 don't don't go in this trap. So this is a wrong idea. Sure, in in the beginning, it takes you a longer time to explain uh, something to someone. But uh, I'm a fanatic in uh, delegating everything. For example, uh, uh, for a lot of years, I uh, was every day with an airplane. So I I fly every day. And uh, but I only booked the flight one time in my life. This was when I was in the United States, and I uh, missed my flight, and so I had to do it. But I, I never did it by myself. And if it is a, a appointment with my haircutter or with a doctor, with everything, I would never do it by myself. I, I I delegate as much things as I can. The only thing that I would never delegate to no one. Is writing because writing is my absolute strength, and I, I want to focus on on my strength. And I would never delegate this to other people. I, but I think it's it's absolutely important. Uh, everyone should think about uh, uh, before you do something. Please think about it whether there's someone else who could do it. Maybe not 100% in the same quality as you do it, but in most cases, 95% are enough to waste a lot of time uh, only to for the last 5%. It's not a good idea because at the same time, you can do uh, things uh, that uh, create much more uh, worth. That's an interesting point because um, I, from the people that I've spoken to um, during the course of this show, one one thing I found out is that many CEOs eventually admit that one of the reasons their business hasn't grown um, at the rate it should have done was because of them, because they were probably a good, the good person to start the business. But when it came to growing and developing the business in different directions, they weren't the right person, but they didn't want to let go of the, the, the reins. They didn't want to let go of the title. Um, so they just kept on doing the same job. And that really stopped the business from growing. Yes. And uh, maybe this people should listen to the richest man in history. And this was uh, 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 Rockefeller. He, he had much more money in today's worth uh, as has uh, maybe Jeff Bezos or Bill Gates. And he said, I, I, I give you a quote, uh, has anyone given you the law of these offices? It is nobody does anything he can get anyone anybody else to do it. And uh, I think it is true because a professional success uh, requires the ability to delegate work with, with every single task. You should ask yourself, am I, uh, am I the only one 
who can do this? Or can I pass it on uh, to another employee, for example, somebody who gets paid less than me? And if you waste your time on tasks, your assistant could do equally well. You're not just wasting your own skills. I think you're you're wasting the company's uh, money. And, and I think the reason why people find it so difficult to delegate work is uh, what, what I said before, that they think always in the time it takes me to explain uh, what needs to be done, I might as well uh, do it myself. This is a popular excuse. And uh, so... I can give this, uh, uh, I, I think I would have never been successful in life if I would, uh, wouldn't have lived uh, according to this principle, delegate everything that you can delegate. Uh, I, I think you know uh, Andy Warhol, and I mm. learned, I read biographies about Andy Warhol. Uh, he even did something that I wouldn't have done. Uh, in a lot of cases, the, his assistant painted his pictures because he was of uh, he want, wanted to focus on his ability and this was not to paint the uh, uh, pictures but to create good ideas to sell and self marketing and uh, and then <laughs> it's it's a funny thing he he was uh, 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 very often invited to give uh, speeches to other people. And even for the speeches, he looked for a, a double. For, uh, and then he sent the, the double who looked like him to have the speeches. Then, but, but then people were uh, aware and he had to give uh, money, money back is, is, uh, uh, for this. So, uh, as you see, even Andy Warhol, he was absolutely a, a master in, uh, uh, delegating everything that was not his uh, uh, most important ability. And this was not to paint pictures, but uh, self-marketing. Okay, but that's um, that's taking delegation just that step further when you're sending somebody else to stand in for you to give yeah. a speech. Yes, it's crazy. Yes, it's crazy. <laughs> I love that. That's a fantastic idea. That's something that I'm definitely not going to do. But I, I think one thing I am going to remember is that I've got to become better at explaining myself so that I can explain things very quickly and accurately to somebody else so they can get the job done. Yeah, sure. It's, it's important. If you delegate something, it doesn't mean you'd give him a tell. Do it anyway. Sure, first you have to explain it. And very important, you have to, to check it, whether it's done well or, or not. Delegation without uh, checking the results uh, uh, in, in the end. This is this is a bad idea. Gotcha. All right, let's move forward. Let's move forward into the present, into the here and now. Reina, what motivates you? What keeps you focused and pushing forward? I always loved the things that I've done. Uh, when I was 60 years old, you know, um, I get uh, soon I, I will be 63. But on my 60th birthday, I published my uh, autobiography in uh, Germany and the title of this biography if you translate it is if you don't feel the burn uh, in you then do something uh, else start start new things and this is what was very important for me in my life you know I did a lot of different things I started as a historian at the university here, here in uh, in Berlin and then uh, later on I was um, 
uh, I was in the uh, uh, management and uh, chief editor of one of the biggest uh, uh, book publishers here in Germany. Later on, I was uh, in the leading position at one of the uh, most important uh, German daily newspapers, the uh, 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 Welt. And uh, then I founded my own uh, company. I've been an investor. So I did a lot of different things. But always when I did something, I, I really loved it. And if I felt that I'm not more so enthusiastic about it, not that I hated it, but, uh, but even it was enough for me that I felt that I was not so enthusiastic about it, then, then I changed it. And then I did uh, something something else. And so if I go up in the morning, I always, I, I love the things what I do. I Some people don't believe me, but maybe maybe there's 5% things I have to do uh, that that I, I, I really don't like. For example, with my books, proofreading. I, 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 don't, I don't like it so much, uh, proofreading of my books. It's, it's necessary, so I have to do it or to, to check the English translations of my books. Uh, you, you see, I, I can't translate these books uh, uh, myself. This is someone else, a professional uh, native speaker who translates my books, but, but I have to check sentence after sentence. But this is a rare exception. It's, it's not more than five percent maybe it's less maybe it's only two or three percent and the other things i really i really love what i what i do and i can decide what i work where i work whether i work it's 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 it's, it's all on me because uh, i'm f- f- uh, financial free i i earned enough money so i don't have to earn money to pay uh, bills or or anything and so I can do what I love. And what I love now is to write these uh, books about uh, uh, what, what I have learned, about my ideas, and to travel all over the world and give my, my lectures. This is what I, what I really love. It's an amazing experience for me if I, if I go to these other countries, whether it's... Uh, I, I, for example, last year I think I was five or six times in London. I was in uh, I was in Korea. I was uh, very often in United States and China, like I mentioned before. And and I love it to meet people there. I love it to sit here at home and to write interviews. And I love to have interviews like like this interview with you. I I, I love it very much. Very very well said. I'm just wondering, Rainer. How do you define success? What does success mean for you? I think it's a good question because you asked what it does mean for for me. Because I think it means for uh, for everyone something different, and there's no uh, no success what is the same for everybody. And it meant different things in my whole life. For example, um, when I started my uh, career as historian, success was for me to write books. My first doctoral dissertation was about uh, uh, Adolf Hitler. And I think, I hope even in 50 or 100 years, this uh, book will be a, a milestone in our understanding of this uh, uh, part of the term uh, history. And this uh, motivated me. So like a, a, a scientist to find out new things to to publish in special interest uh, media and so and uh, later on in my life uh, I had other things I 
I focused for 20 years a lot to make money, to become rich, to have financial freedom. It was important for me not so much to to buy a nice house or a nice watch. And so I, I, I have a nice villa and a nice watch, but these things are not so important for me. For me. But what was important to, to become totally free, freedom and independence, to, to have the situation like I have it now, that I can decide whether I work, where I work, uh, what I work. And I, and I, I love always uh, to have new, new challenges. Uh, in my in my life, and I wanted to be successful in in a lot of fields. For example, uh, I don't know whether you have seen, if you look, if you Google me in the internet, uh, pictures of me. Success meant for me as well. I have now uh, a body. Uh, to be honest, looks better than ninety nine point nine percent of men in my age, and even much better. As uh, as most young men, and this was I I do now bodybuilding for uh, more than uh, forty years, and I go every day to the gym. Today I was at the gym, and I love it. And this means success for me to to shape your uh, your own body, and I like it. Then to get a compliment from young girls to say I I like uh, I like your body, even in spite of the fact that I get sixty three. Uh, uh, years now, and so um, I, I think it's not only important to be successful in in one field. This was not my concept. Some people maybe they focus only to make money, and I think money is important. It's much more important than a lot of people would admit. But it's not the only thing. I think there are uh, there are other things uh, very very important as well, like your uh, uh, fitness, uh, for example, or like in 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 academics. And uh, to be to be honest, maybe it sounds bad, but in these fields that were good f- important for me, I always wanted to be better than ninety nine nine percent of anyone else. Maybe it looked uh, it sounds strange, but I wanted to have more money than 99.9%. I wanted to be better in, in academics or with my doctor degrees, and I wanted to have much the, the, the prettiest women always. Uh, so this, this were things that were important for me uh, to, to be um, not more successful than anyone else, but to be in different fields in in addition. And by the way, I think for success, it's very important to have humor as well. I think humor is so important. And I saw in our interview from the start that you have humor. This is so important because if you have success, it, if you have no humor and you cannot laugh about things and maybe sometimes laugh about yourself, what, what does success mean then in the end? As you're talking, my producer... My producer, thank you very much, has just pulled up a picture of you. <laughs> on the, oh, my good. Look, Reddit, you look like me, but with more hair, okay? Ah, okay. Fantastic. <laughs> 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 no, so you, you go to the gym every day? Yes, but, uh, but uh, I, I do it since now 40, uh, 42 years. So I started with uh, 20, and I not – Every day, but between between four and six times the week, but not so long. Usually only half hour, half hour, but very focused and with uh, heavy weights and and 
I don't uh, use my uh, smartphone at this time. I don't uh, talk with people. I'm very focused on my training, and it's it's only a half hour, but uh, but I I love it. And from and what I'm proud about, I never never took any steroids or something like this. This is what you call natural bodybuilding. And if you would see a picture when I was 20, I was so very, very thin with so very thin uh, arms and legs and shoulders. And so and it's all training, but it's all natural training. And this is for me as well something very important. As well in business, I'm very proud that I never had any problems, for example, with uh, with uh, taxes that someone uh, 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 that I had trouble with uh, tax uh, authorities or something like this? No, for me it's very important, most important thing to be honest in your business. And a lot of people think that rich people are dishonest. And sure, there are some people, but I I think it's uh, I, I I think it's very important to win. Trust from other person, and if you win, want to win trust, it's important to act honest and to think honest. And I think it it pays off if you if you do it. And so in in business, it is as it is in um, uh, as it is uh, if you have sports. And sure, uh, I, I'm uh, I have uh, I think a lot of. Uh, uh, weak points and uh, mistakes uh, as uh, everyone else. But everyone who knows me tells me the most important point is that I'm honest. And even sometimes I have four or five girlfriends at the same time, but they know every one of them from the other. I'm honest to every one of them. I tell them, even if they don't like it. Yes, I think you can do whatever you want, but you have always to be honest to other people. This is for me very important. That's very wise words. I'm not entirely convinced that I uh, want to go down. <laughs> I want to try the four or five girlfriends idea, but work, working out in the gym, I like it. That's, that that works for me. Um, moving very, very quickly on before I get myself into more trouble. Um, let's go into the future. Let's imagine we're going 10 years into the future and we're still hanging out. What will you be doing, Rainer? What will you be doing in 10 years' time? So, in 10 years, I will be 73. Maybe I will have a family because this is something that I have done not so far. I have no children, but uh, but maybe I will have children. It's, it's a new experience for me in 10 years. And maybe it will change a lot of things. And the other thing in professional way, to make money, it's not so important for me uh, 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 to today. I I don't have the aim to be the richest man at the graveyard or something like, uh, uh, like this. What is uh, for me very important now in the future, um, I will, I like to spread my message about success all over the world, not only in Germany and German-speaking uh, countries where a lot of people uh, know me. But uh, for me, it's very important uh, um, Asia and United States that much more people know me there. I started last year. Uh, by, by the way, everyone can read it. I have a, uh, um, an op-ed, a column 
uh, every Monday in Forbes.com. If you look, if you Google uh, my name and uh, Forbes.com, then uh, I, I write there every day. And uh, I'm, I'm looking for PR agency in the United States who can uh, who can help me. And I'm uh, 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 to be honest, I look as well for for another uh, 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 publisher. So I I have a, uh, in in the United States. Uh, I'm I'm happy with my publisher in in China and in uh, Korea, and so they do a great job. But um, yes, I I want to I want to spread these messages with my books, with my articles, with my videos, with my uh, interviews, um, all all over the world. This is what uh, what 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 I want to do. Uh, where I would come forward in in the next. Uh, 10 years. And the other thing, as mentioned, maybe uh, have some some children and uh, family. I suspect that you probably will achieve all of those goals and probably a hell of a lot more over the next 10 years. Um, we've got just about enough time, Reina, to do a quick shout out before the end of the, inter- of the interview. Is there anybody at all who may be listening to our conversation today that you'd like to say hello to? Yes, yes, there are, sure, a lot of people. For example, in someone based in London, Christian Niemitz. He is the head of political economy at the Institute of Economic Affairs. And he wrote such a great book. The title of the book is Socialism, a Failed Idea That Never Dies. And I love this book so much. I I uh, will recommend this book to everyone else. And I hope that uh, he can hear me or uh, someone else uh, is uh, Professor uh, Hermann Simon. It's a friend of mine and he he wrote this great book, Hidden Champions, where he explains the success of uh, German companies. Uh, Professor Hermann Simon, uh, maybe I can say hello to him uh, as well. Or another one, a friend of mine who lives in uh, Washington, Andreas uh, Hellmann. He works for Americans for tax reform and he, he helped me uh, uh, a lot. So so this, these are three people that come in, in my mind. And there are, if, if you, if I should name some more, I, uh, I can't do it. <laughs> I think that we've got enough to get going. Um, we could keep talking for another couple of hours because there's so much I need to know from you. But um, I'm hoping we can do a part two to this conversation in a couple of weeks' time where we can share some more insight and wisdom on the show. What do you reckon? Can we book something for, for the next couple of weeks or next couple of months? Yes, uh, my, my latest book, and I would like to talk with you in the next show, is the rich in public opinion, because uh, maybe I can explain for you only for, for a minute what it is about. There are there's so much research about prejudice and stereotypes against minorities, like against black people, gay people, or uh, prejudice against uh, women. But there was no scientific study about prejudice against rich people. And I wrote the first book. It's uh, 500 pages about uh, prejudice and stereotypes about uh, this minority of the rich people. And we conducted uh, international research in France, in UK, in Germany and United States. And I would appreciate 
uh, if we could uh, speak about this uh, next time. Okay. Uh, the book is called The Rich in Public Opinion. Exactly. Right. Okay. I'm going to get a copy of this. I'm going to read it. And ho so hopefully the next time we touch base, we can have an in-depth discussion about your findings. Yes, great. Uh, I give you two advice. Maybe skip the first chapter. It's a little bit with definitions. And if you like science very much, but you can skip it and maybe start with the last chapter. It's very funny. It's about rich in Hollywood movies. The first analysis, how rich people are portrayed in Hollywood movies. Maybe you start with the last chapter and then you go through the book. Okay, will do. Thank you. Really, really wise words. And again, it's been such a fantastic uh, experience talking to you, Reina. Um, thank you so much for sharing your insight and your wisdom on the show. Yes, uh, I appreciate very much. To be honest, I give a lot of uh, interviews almost every day, but this was exceptional. And now I understand why you have uh, 500,000 uh, uh, listeners to your show, because uh, interviews only so good as the questions are and I, I loved your questions and I look very much forward to have the next uh, interview with you and uh, hopefully maybe I can meet you in, in person if you go to uh, Berlin anytime. Done. Done. Rainer. Thank you so much. Okay, thank you. Well, Rainer's incredibly inspiring story is a great reminder that if you're working on something that you really, really care about, you don't have to be pushed. The vision pulls you. And in the words of Rob Siltonen, people who are crazy enough to think they can change the world are the ones who do. This is a lesson that game changers like Rainer Siltonen are teaching us every day. Listen, learn and innovate. Playing us out is Roger Rosa, CEO of Cleveland-based marketing and public relations firm, The Eisen Agency. And Roger's performing Unknown Road. See you next week. That's how it is, brother. Spent my life living by the book. I walked away from every dirty look. The stink on trouble is not. Smith, corporate and commercial partner with Blazer Mills Law, and you're listening to Kizzy's Friday Game Changer 
the world's number one podcast experience. Hi, I'm Ludwina Dordovic, the founder and CEO of The Room Exchange, and you're listening to Kizzy's Friday Game Changers. Listen, learn, and innovate. This unknown road interview share your thoughts by posting a comment sharing is caring this thing called trouble is just 